The two most engaging powers of a photographer are to make new things familiar and familiar things new. I want to reveal that which is close to us, that which is familiar, in a new way. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and this is episode 177 for the middle of February 2023. And you can tell that I'm alone. Ward is not here. He is a bit under the weather, so you'll just have to put up with me for this episode. Uh, and I figure rather than having a rerun, I thought uh, I thought I had a few things I, can, I could talk about with you. So I haven't done this in a while, and, I, <laughs> and I'm actually nervous for some strange reason. I guess I've gotten so used to having Ward... Uh, on the other side of the microphone with me and and being on my own I, it's a lot of pressure <laughs> so so you know I hope I don't ramble too much and I don't want to go back into that old rambling thing it's so nice to have somebody to talk to and uh, now I'm just talking to you by myself so yeah I'm a little nervous a little stage fright here <laughs> but uh, first I want to do a shout out to Ward feel better bro uh, sorry you're not here today and uh, we all hope you feel better better and we'll be around for the next show. So the first thing I wanted to start talking about um, was just, I've been men meaning to mention this. I might've mentioned this on, on one of our other shows at the end or something like that. I'm working on a photography education website uh, where I'll be offering some uh, online virtual classes. Well, of course, online virtual classes. <laughs> Online, it's redundant. Uh, but virtual classes for beginning photographers, not for you guys who know what you're doing. <laughs> for those of you who might like to, you know, hear from me as a professional and as you know, um, you know, in a, in a teaching environment, not you know through a podcast. So I'm almost done with the website. In fact, my goal is to get it done by end of February. I promised somebody I'd get it done. <laughs> and so actually, the website is pretty much done. I just have to get the classes together, and I'm only going to have about. Uh, six six classes to start with and it's gonna be like sort of basic photography basic post-processing like with lightroom even like a portfolio review or a, a projects class like if you if you know all the stuff but you want to have projects and you want to work with uh me uh, and other people maybe and, and and get critique so it's gonna be a small amount of classes but i have to actually finish those up i mean there's some of them are presentations you know since i'm doing classes via zoom i have to come up with a presentation to show things so those are the ones in in process the website's pretty much done but i don't want to make it live until i actually have something to go for and i'm going to make the classes reasonably priced so that if anybody's a beginner they can start and why would a beginner want to you know go to a website like mine and take a class rather than go to YouTube, it's because you have the interactivity. I'm going to have a class, you know, go out and do an assignment and then come back and do critique. And, you know, you don't get that on YouTube. I'm not knocking YouTube. I learn a lot of stuff from YouTube and, and other sources. Um, but this will be a an interactive where you, you get to see me and come back. And then actually I will be starting a Discord groups with people in the class so they can come back. And this is how we'll have the galleries and, and, and critiques and stuff like that. I'm also going to be tying it to the Street Shots name because I figure, you know, I've got a name here with the podcast, so it's going to be a Street Shots uh, backed class and, and stuff like that. So when I launch, uh, which, I, like I said, should be soon, hopefully by the end of this month, uh, it's getting kind of, <laughs> I don't know, 
I'm being a little optimistic here, but the website's really done. Anyway, I will let you guys know. And if you guys know anybody who could benefit from a class like this, you know, an environment uh, where you get somebody like me, you know, teaching aspects of basic photography, if they, people don't know how to use their cameras and want to learn a little bit about Lightroom, uh, you can check out the website. I'll, I'll post the information up here. And, and you can just point them to the site when, when I'm ready. So anyway, just wanted to let you know that that's coming up soon. Second thing I wanted to talk about, mention, I was going to do this last episode. Actually, I don't know if I, no, I planned it for this one with Ward, but I wanted, I didn't want it to slip by. Anyway, I don't know if anybody uh, here knows a podcast called The Bowery Boys, but uh, these guys are based in New York and they talk a lot about New York history. Uh, so, you know, you may not subscribe to it because you're not from New York, you don't care but there was a couple of recent episodes that had something to do with photography, and I wanted to mention it. Plus, it actually is a good uh, podcast. It's uh, the history of New York actually is very interesting, and I'm of course I'm biased from living here, but I would suggest you know if you're into history in general, I, I, I would subscribe to their podcast. But anyway, two recent episodes uh, I want to talk about. One is about Jacob Rees, and the other one was a um, an episode it was a recent episode about the first woman ever photographed. So the Bowery Boys episode 400 talks about the Danish immigrant Jacob Rees, who you may know from the his infamous photograph of an 1888 New York City alleyway entitled Bandit's Roost. It's this alleyway with these shady looking characters down the way. And, and he was the photographer for that. Um, the episode uh, is mainly a biography of him. So it does it spends only a small amount of time relative to the episode talking about his photography uh, his documentary photography work, but it's really well worth the listen. His uh, life arc is really interesting and in how he came to doing uh, doing documentary photography and how it affected uh, the history of New York is really interesting. So I would suggest um, just, you know, if you don't want to subscribe, just download that episode. It's it's a uh, and those guys, these guys do a really, really good job of research and information and they have a really nice banter back and forth with each other so i recommend that and then their latest episode it's a great story about dorothy Catherine draper who was the first woman ever to have her photograph taken and it was uh, in 1840 and it was a daguerreotype and the story in the podcast is about how she got to hold this title it's a really interesting story and a quick spoiler to this episode is that Samuel Morse is somehow involved in this. Yes, that Morse, Morse of Morse code. And as a side note, Samuel Morse is buried, you know, next door to me in Greenwood Cemetery. But it's a great episode. I didn't even realize this story kind of existed, that there would be the first woman f photographed. I mean, today we take selfies and you don't even think about the first of anything in, in regards of photography. But this one... This photograph, this daguerreotype was taken in 1840 of Dorothy Catherine Draper. So anyway, it's a great story. There's a lot of kind of twists in it a little bit. So um, it's about a half an hour long. So uh, I, I would also recommend that story to the Bowery Boys. I'll put the links in the show notes. And again, I love these stories of the history of photography. And for me, especially when it includes New York City, but the, the history of photography is something that I'm just very interested in. I hope you guys are too. So take a listen to these two episodes, you know, and let us uh, maybe in the comments uh, on the show notes, let us know what you think about these, uh, the Bowery Boys. So next I wanted to give a bit of a personal update. I really haven't had the opportunity to do this in our shows, you know, because Ward and I have, we're doing our, our interviews and whatnot. And uh, uh, so I'm going to take this opportunity now that he's not here. <laughs> I thought this might be a good time 
to do a little bit of a personal update and some, you know, things that I'm doing photographic wise. You may know if you've been listening to, for a little while since last year, I've bought a lot of equipment and gear in the past eight months. I mean, a lot. <laughs> and, you know, partly that's, I believe, a, a emotional, an emotional response to the death of my wife last June. Partly, it's also a way to rebuild my equipment base for you know me taking another journey into uh, trying to make a living with my cameras. But as an emotional reaction, it's not working out so well. And 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 I mean that in the sense of like, yeah, I have all this gear and it's distracting, you know, and it it, it actually is a distraction. It keeps me from thinking or or diving into a lot of grief all the time. But it's a short-lived thing. It's a dopamine hit and whatnot. I wasn't sure what I was trying to solve by buying a lot of gear. I guess, I guess there's, I don't know. I don't want to psychoanalyze myself about doing this. It's just grief is powerful and unpredictable. And, you know, my way of dealing with it a little bit was to, to buy stuff. And like I said, I'm not saying it was helpful. It's just, that's what happened. That's what I, it's what I did. Right. But I am using the stuff. I am using most of the gear I got. I, you know, I bought a bunch of camera bodies, a bunch of lenses, and you know, things like some tripods and some video stuff. And and I'm actually using it. You know, and, and I'm occasionally getting hired for some freelance work, uh, so I'm doing some video work. So it's not, you know, it's not totally useless, and it's not totally just to buy stuff to be, to buy things. So I am using it, and some of the stuff I'm doing with the gear, I believe, is, you know, I'm doing some nice work, I think. And, um, but I really haven't found a direction. You know, I, I don't know where I'm going with my photography at the moment. And uh, since Elizabeth died, and since I've really been, since we were really dealing with her cancer, which uh, co coincided with the pandemic and lockdown. I've really given up on the kind of street photography that you may know me for, you know, the, the people on the street and the, and the, the captures, I'll still do that now and then, but it's not a main grab for me anymore. So, you know, I, I want to say I gave it up, but you know, that kind of stopped again, it sort of stopped at the pandemic, but again, it also just in terms of my psyche and, and, and dealing with uh, life issues. And, and those of you who have been subscribing for a long time and you knew I was, talking about her, although I wasn't mentioning her by name because initially I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to, uh, I don't know why I did this, but I didn't want to be so personal about it being my wife being sick. And it, and it was also at a time where I thought that might actually, she actually might get better. Anyway, in the, in the two years that we, you know, we had the pandemic, her sickness coincided with the start of lockdown. And so, you know, everybody's masked up and off the streets and stuff like that. And so I, I just naturally didn't do my street photography. That's sort of a long-winded way of saying that I'm starting to do something different now uh, because I'm a photographer and I want to take pictures. You know, I say photography is in my DNA. So as much as I do video work and stuff for the television station, I work at Brick and, and whatnot, I think I, I just, I like to take pictures. And again, you know, part of the, I don't say the benefit, but part of this getting all this stuff is really to have a nice kit ready in case I need to do any other kind of jobs. And my, my intention is at some point, to even build that up uh, again, I'm starting, like I said, at the beginning of the show, I, I want to start these classes. Uh, I do love teaching and you know, I'm teaching already, but I did want to talk about what is it I'm doing now. I like taking a morning walk uh, and I've been doing it for exercise. Sometimes I would go out for like three miles and I do like a power walk for three miles and, and then, and then come in and uh, get ready for work and whatnot. But, um, 
I'm not doing so much of a power walk now, but I am trying to make sure that I walk uh, between maybe two to three miles every morning because I, A, I need the exercise or, you know, walking is good exercise. I'm not necessarily losing weight from this, but I think walking two or three miles a day is better than not walking two or three miles a day. So it can't hurt. But I'm also bringing my camera with me. So, you know, the idea is to get some walking exercise and to take photographs. It's not just an exercise walk. It's also a way to sort of start the day. You know, I don't really have to have any thoughts in my mind. I, when I'm walking, I'm, I'm very much in the present and, you know, taking pictures. I'm also in the present. So it, it has some benefits. Uh, it does get my day started later. I'm trying to get up earlier so I can start this early. But one thing at a time, I'm going to give myself a break. So anyway, I get up in the morning and I tend to walk the same routes uh, over and over. Although I do different ones on different days, meaning I don't walk the same route every day. I mean, I'll, I do walk the same routes, but I'll sort of alter them. I'll go in one direction one day and another direction the other day. It depends on the weather. It depends on the light. But I tend to walk in the same place. I cover the same amount of area. Also because I'm only walking two or three miles, so I can only go so far. I do want to make sure I get back in time so that I have a rest of the day so I can meditate and get get my day started. So I did want to talk about this. Um, I did want to talk about the challenges that I'm having. And, and it's the challenges of photographing the familiar. Okay. <laughs> Why is this? Well, because a lot of people think that they can't capture pictures in the areas that they live or the familiar, the things that they see every day, whether it's in your house or your family or whatever. You want to go someplace else. You got to go to a, go on a trip or you know, do something different to see that. And I always think that it's an interesting challenge to try to make photography of the things that you see all the time and make that part of the challenge. So I first wanted to say that during my walks, I see the same things all the time and I'm, I'm, and I'm photographing them and I'll put a gallery together in the show notes so you can see what I'm doing. But I do want to say that I'm totally enjoying this change in my photography. I mean, I miss doing street photography for a bunch of reasons. Like, I'm still doing it once in a while. But this new direction I'm taking on, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. It's sort of drawing me now every morning. I'm making sure I'm getting up every morning and taking the walk and bringing my camera. If the weather, you know, I, I don't generally like walking in the rain with my camera is too much. This this might be a transitional period for me. I mean, you know, I don't know, again, where I'm going to go with my photography doing photographing familiar sites in my neighborhood is not sort of a, like the end of like, this is what I want to do. It's just something that I'm doing now and something I'm doing while I'm walking. I'm choosing to do this as a way of keep to keep photographing on a daily basis and a way to think about what I'm really interested in photographing. So anyway, I wanted to talk about how can we see something new in the familiar? And I think that's a good challenge. And, it, and it's certainly challenging for me because, like I said, I walk into the same areas and I want to take pictures. And how do I do that new every day? And is it possible to do it new every day? So so I thought I'd list some of the challenges, maybe some of the some of the ways I go about uh, dealing with them and maybe share them with you and, and you know, maybe invite you guys to to uh, as well go and think about photographing the things that are familiar. So here's some of the challenges and how I see you can work through them. First, familiarity can breed contempt, right? 
So when we see things over and over again, it's easy to take them for granted or become like really complacent about them. I might want to call this for familiarity blindness. Like we see the same things over and over again so much that we, we end up stop seeing them. We don't see them anymore. And, you know, because I'm walking the same routes day to day, you know, here's the challenge. I see the same storefronts and the same, you know, I don't know, whatever, things on the sidewalk and, and, and buildings and whatnot, same details in the building, even sometimes some of the same people. And so how do I get to be fresh every day? And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm walking every day. So I'm, you know, seven days a week, weather permitting, I'm walking one of these routes two to three miles. Uh, oh, and actually the other thing I want to talk about is like when you walk on, when I walk on the same route day after day after day, because everything's so familiar, what's interesting is that if there is an anomaly in this, you can I can spot it easily. You know, if something is not set up the way it was yesterday, there's something standing out. That actually is something that could be worth photographing. I just, just thought about this off the top of my head. So it's interesting to be able to see things familiar all the time and, and get used to it and get used to it because you do that so often that the thing that stands out all of a sudden an anomaly, which happens now and then, not every day, but it happens all of a sudden you see this thing, that is also, you know, there's your, your subject for a photograph. But I, I just thought about that. I wanted to put that in there so I didn't forget. But one of the easiest ways for me to see familiar things differently uh, is going to be with the camera and lens that I carry. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds obvious, but, and, and I'm going to be a little bit um, biased again towards Fuji and mirrorless cameras and I'm sorry I can't help that that's what I'm using but that actually plays into a little bit of what helps me in this challenge of doing the familiar and and again you can apply this to the cameras that you have for me I'm a Fuji user and it's got some benefits mainly that it's a mirrorless camera uh, that it has what is called film simulations built into it which is quite helpful I'll tell you about that in a minute and it also is one of the brands of camera that has a fairly large third-party lens supply. Uh, our unofficial sponsor, Ornis Photo, Ornis, O-R-N-I-S dot photo, <laughs> which you may know, sells a lot of these third-party lenses for uh, Fuji and adapters. But anyway, the sorry, the little commercial thing. <laughs> I got I to put in our unofficial uh, sponsor now and then. But the idea of a mirrorless camera, and it is actually part of what is helpful for me, because I tend to look not through the viewfinder, but on the LCD screen. A couple of reasons that it just makes it a little bit more flexible for me when I'm photographing, especially when I'm getting down low angles and whatnot. And you got the little flippy out screen. It does allow me to get these interesting angles where I doesn't practically, I couldn't do it, you know, with a viewfinder. Because it's also a Fuji camera, it has built in these film simulations, which you've probably heard us talk about ad nauseum. I will actually find film recipes that other people have published and I find the kinds that resonate with me and I will, you know, apply them to my camera now. Oh, and the other thing I, I want to talk about is, you know, it, sorry, I'm also not only carrying the, my, my regular Fuji camera. Sometimes I will take with me my medium format camera, um, my medium format Fuji, because it also sees the world a lot differently than my basic Fuji cameras. So again, it's it's bringing the camera and lenses that help me see the world slightly differently through the way they present the world, right? Currently, my favorite camera to walk around with is a Fuji X-H2, 
which is one of their newer cameras. It's a 40 megapixel camera, um, small sensor, and it's not one of their retro cameras. It's more like a regular DSLR style with the PASM dial on it and stuff like that. And, you know, it doesn't have that charm of the Fuji retro cameras, but it's a really nice camera. I'm actually getting to like it more and more, mainly because it's got a nice big grip and it's easy to to hold in my hand. I wrap a strap around my hand and when I walk down the street, I have the camera in my hand. I don't walk around with it on my shoulder. So I'm always holding the camera, which gets a little achy actually now and then. I, I do that with the medium format camera too. And that's it, it. Talk about like just a weight on your arm all the time. It just it hurts. Anyway, that camera and lately I've been shooting with a lens I bought recently, which is, you know, it's always the next lens is the, my favorite lens. But this one, I really am falling in love with. It's a TT Artisan's 35mm f0.95. So it's a very, very wide open lens. It's, again, one of those lenses that has some character to it. It's not the most sharp optically, but it is actually very sharp. I'm surprised when I stop down. It's very sharp, but it does allow me to get that sort of shallow depth of field that I get easier on a maybe a larger um, sensor camera or even like a medium format camera. I, I can get like a nice sort of shallow depth of field picture at f2 or f1.7 on that camera and lens but anyway it's a manual focus lens and so the combination of that lens and that camera first of all lets me you know be uh slow and deliberate in making a picture it's manual focus so i have to spend some time i gotta stop and focus manually and slowly and it's kind of tricky because it's such a uh, wide aperture on it i will set up a film simulation and of course i'm looking at the image uh that i'm about to photograph through the lcd now why is this important i believe that it's helpful to view the things i'm about to photograph through on the lcd through the film simulation at the moment that i'm taking the picture now i know we talked on our last episode i'm already spacing out what was the last episode when we said why post-process right and we talked about the pros and cons of post-processing and I, I believe i talked about film simulations there and what i have realized i think this is another part of why i like the fuji cameras or any other camera that can do film simulations or picture profiles is that when i'm taking the picture or when i'm looking at a subject that i want to photograph i should say i don't necessarily want to wait to post-process that image. Now, that means that I'm looking at something, and I'm, of course I'm looking through the camera, through the way the camera and the lens are sort of presenting whatever I'm photographing. And in this case with a Fuji camera, I'm, I'm seeing it through a film simulation, which is certainly not the way the world works. Film simulations change the color of what we're looking at. The shadows change, the highlights change, the, the just the basic tones change. But it, it's allowing me to see the world through a different set of glasses in a way, the glasses that the Fuji has. And it lets me feel something at the moment. So I'm looking at something, I'm exploring it, I'm seeing it through the filter of the camera, as it were, and I'm feeling something at that moment, which I'm not going to feel necessarily or at all a week or two down the line when I'm trying to post process that picture. For me, the idea is I want to feel something while I'm shooting. The, the feelings are there at the moment. I may not like it, and I could post-process it later should I change it. And I often do add a little bit of tweaking to the image, but the base is there. The feeling was there. And so that's kind of my argument about why I like shooting things you know, in JPEG at the moment with the colors that are the ones I resonate with at the time. I don't expect to have those same feelings you know, even an hour later or a week later. So I, I want to do that now.
I can change the exposure, I can change the color, depth of field right then and there while I'm in front of the subject and I don't have to worry about it later on. Another way I'm gonna be able to deal with photographing the familiar and having it look different is photographing the things in different light or seeing the same place and objects in different light. What I mean by that is, you know, I go out every morning and the weather's different. You know, it could be overcast one day, sunny another day, morning light is different than afternoon light. If I'm walking towards the sun, the light's going to look a lot different than when the sun is at my back. And what I mean by that is when you look at objects, when you're walking towards them, if the sun is coming at you, the, the light is going to be a little flared. When you're walking the other way, the light's going to be more contrasty. Overcast obviously looks much, you know, colors look a lot different on overcast days. Objects will look different. They won't have as many shadows on overcast days as they do on sunny days. And so all these variations in light can make the familiar look different. And so that is one of the things I'm always paying attention to is the light. So I, I've taken pictures of the same thing in different lights and, and the pictures have come out completely different. And so this is one of the ways I can see the difference in the familiar. I want to challenge you to begin, if you're not doing this already, to begin photographing the familiar on an ongoing basis. If you're not doing it, give it a shot. It's something that I'm doing. Like I said, it might be a transition. I actually still like the pictures I'm creating. I'm not just doing it to fill the time. I actually am trying to create nice pictures. And in fact, I actually had a few people want to buy my prints from some of the stuff that I've that I've made from doing this. I have a couple of neighborhood Facebook groups. I live sort of on the cusp of two or three different neighborhoods. So I'm on two, different, two or three different Facebook groups. And I like sharing my pictures with the people in those groups, the neighbors in the groups. And it's nice to hear people say that I am seeing parts of the neighborhood that they couldn't see or they haven't seen before. So it's giving them this opportunity to look at their neighborhood differently. So anyway, I would encourage you to share your pictures with people that you know or might know your area because it's a nice way to have them see the familiar differently. Uh, you know, part of the education thing is great to show people the things that they may not see. That's kind of what we do as photographers, right? We're able to see things that people who are not necessarily paying attention to that won't see. It's, it's nice to show them that stuff. So anyway, I want to give you that challenge to photograph the familiar things. And if you are finding it challenging, I think I got a few tips, things that I've sort of thought about that might help you while you're trying this challenge. So uh, number one would be, and this is going to be the obvious thing I already talked about, but try new techniques and perspectives. Like I mentioned, film simulations and different lenses are a great way to see things differently. And, you know, I know people can do, you can do the best work with one lens, but it's really interesting to see the world through different lenses. We see the world, you know, infinite depth of field in a sense, very wide angle, you know, and the idea of photography is to, you know, I think part of it is to see how the world looks through a camera, you know, what Gary Winogrand said, I want to see the what the world looks like photographed paraphrasing him there obviously but uh and if your camera has the ability to set picture profiles or film sims you know find a combination that resonates with you not every camera can do that but i think most cameras can not to the maybe not to the extent as fuji because fuji does the film simulations because fuji made film but i know sony cameras have picture profiles i know canons do and everybody you know so many people are just into shooting it straight and then you know, shooting uh, raw and then going back to, you know, Lightroom or Capture One and, and then processing in there. My suggestion to you is to do it while you're shooting. So find a picture profile that resonates. It's something about doing it at the moment. 
you're shooting, you're looking through the viewfinder, you're looking through the LCD, you're seeing the world of a certain color right then and there. It's a lot different. In that sense, the practical part is shoot RAW and JPEG. I love JPEGs coming right out of the camera. Like I said, I tweak those a little bit. I do have the RAW files later if I need to, if there's something I need to do with them, but the, most of the time they're just sitting on the hard drive. That idea of using picture profile or film sim so that you see the world right then and there, it's a different experience. So I would, I would go ahead and do that. And, you know, try to find a different lens than you're used to. I, I like the cheapo lenses with questionable quality. So, you know, if your camera can handle third-party lenses, go on to Flickr, go on to groups, find out what lenses people are using, see if the pictures resonate with you, and see if that lens is something that you're willing to give out, you know, to give a shot. You could buy a used version of it or, you know, like I said, there's the cheapo lenses. They have character. You know, we got to stop obsessing about optical quality about everything. That's not necessarily important. I mean, if you're doing scientific work, sure, right? If you're doing kind of things that you need that. But we're being interpretive here, right? We're trying to take pictures, show the world what we think. So anyway, that's my way of saying invest in some cheapo lenses and have a lot of fun with them and who cares if they're manual focus the idea here is not to walk around and you know, auto focusing we're not shooting race cars or anything like that take your time right to to walk around and and that's why i find manual lenses a lot of fun i find it fun to see the world through flawed glass you know also low angles high angles anything different than five or six feet off the ground horizontal because that's how everybody shoots right vast majority of people are taking pictures standing up and horizontal unless they're using a phone in which case it's vertical and that's another story but you know, <laughs> you know change your viewpoint having having a tilting lcd screen is really helpful because then you can get these high angles and low angles but that is a different that is a nice way to see the familiar in a different way Two related to lenses play around with the depth of field right um sometimes that shallow depth of field in a picture can really help you see something in a new way right like i said our eyes see infinite depth of field right so it's really interesting to see an object with a shallow depth of field and vice versa you know play around with that deep depth of field too that can that can have an interesting effect on something but that's part of the lens as again something that we don't always pay attention to and it's another way of helping you see something different in the familiar also, you know, if you see something and you're thinking, you're walking down the street and you see something and you're looking at it and you say, hey, that might make a good photo and, and, and you keep walking. Don't do that. Stop and take the photo. <laughs> if you have that thought, often we have that thought and you pass by something and you're halfway down the block. Don't do that. All right. It doesn't cost anything to take a picture these days. Right. When you have that thought, if you have a thought, anything like oh, that might make you like, oh, that might make a good picture. More times than not, it takes you a second or two to take the picture. You might even walk around the thing a little bit, try different angles, spend a, you know, half a minute there taking some shots. Like I said, it doesn't cost you anything. Again, you don't want to have that regret um, not taking the photo when you're like two blocks away because when you come back, the light's different, something's changed, the dog moved, the, you know, whatever's happens, happens. But when you have that thought, it doesn't cost you anything. So if you have that thought, it might make a good picture, stop and take the photo then, all right? The other thing, this comes in with the walking part, but I would say practice mindfulness, right? Sometimes we get so caught up in our own thoughts and habits that we kind of fail to truly see the world around us. And now I do the, I walk and walking is part of my mindfulness. It's, it's almost like a walking meditation. And, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes, you know, camp photography is therapy and stuff like that. But, and sometimes it's also just to quiet your mind. For me, sometimes the walk is important. I have the camera with me. 
but I'm with myself and I'm trying to be mindful when I'm doing the walk. I'm not actually going out and doing photography. So, you know, like if you go out and do a photo walk, your, your purpose is to sort of go out and photo walk. My purpose is not to go photo walk. I walk with my camera. I do look for things and I do stop and take pictures, but it's not a photo walk. It's, it's different. So practicing mindfulness can be a useful tool to sort of break out of your comfort zone and see familiar things with new eyes, with fresh eyes. So take some deep breaths, focus the present moment, and you might be able to open yourself to new possibilities and see things in new ways. It's really interesting when you actually pay attention to yourself when you're walking uh, and how things look differently. Again, this is not a walk to a destination. This is for you to uh, see familiar things and try to see them new, right? So try to keep that in mind. I think that's as far as I want to go. <laughs> Listen to me for 40 minutes. But uh, before I wrap up, I just wanted to remind you that, that there's a lot of creative potential, though, in these everyday things that we tend to overlook, right? It can be really challenging to photograph familiar subjects, but it's also this opportunity to explore and experiment with new techniques, new ideas, just anything new. Uh, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't cost you anything. So by approaching the subjects with curiosity, maybe, and some objectivity, trying out like the different perspectives and techniques we were talking about, being mindful, you might be able to discover new ways to capture them in the photographs, or you might be able to see things new in your pictures. And who knows, it might lead you to some other direction in your photography. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that's what's going to happen to me. But, you know, I'm again, I'm not looking, I don't have any expectations, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm taking pictures, I'm walking. You know, this is a process that can help us appreciate the beauty and the significance in things that we might have previously overlooked and taken for granted. So again, I encourage you to go out and try this. Photograph your familiar things. If you're not doing it already, give it a shot and, and really challenge yourself. So anyway, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with hanging in with me today. And I do miss Ward and we'll hopefully be around uh, when we do our next show. A couple of things before we close out. I want to mention that this show could really use your support in a couple of ways. First, uh, if you like what we're doing on the show, uh, go to the podcatcher of your choice and give us a thumbs up or write a review or whatever system there is to give us some acknowledgement that you like the show. Uh, I would like to have this show get out to more people. And the only way to do that is through your reviews and your and your attention. So I'm just, you know, sort of asking you, pleading with you. Could you please just give us some reviews and some attention that way? If you have a blog, you know, write about us, you know, see how we, you know, do the 10 best photography podcasts. Hopefully we'll be up there on my But anyway, you can help out. It will help us get more listeners. And, and that's really what I want. I want to get more people to listen to the show. Also, I've really kind of shied away from including advertising on the show. If you notice this, the show, I don't have any sponsors or anything like that. Although uh, we do have the unofficial Ornus.photo board. Thank you for that. Ornus.photo is our unofficial sponsor. Go and buy lenses there. But anyway, but we don't really do the show for money or for fame or anything like that. We do it because we like talking about photography with you. But anyway, one way you can help support the show financially, if you want, is to buy us a coffee. I usually put a link down in the show notes and it's a quick click and you can buy us a coffee or a couple of coffees. We had some people buy us a couple of coffees. It would just help out. You know, we do the show, we pay for the show on our own. And, you know, if there's ways that you can help us offset the cost a little bit, that would be great. When someone does buy us a coffee, it helps out a little. I was able to get, uh, actually got Ward uh, a new microphone, one that matches mine so that we look the same <laughs> and hopefully we sound the same. 
And so that was part of the cost incurred on on, uh, on producing the show so that we can get good sound to you guys. But anyway, that's it for today. Uh, you can find me in all the usual places. I'm at AM Rosario on Twitter and Vero and Flickr. Like I said, don't go to my Instagram account because it's hacked. You can look at my pictures there, but don't don't follow me there. I'm on Facebook as Rosario Photo, uh, so you can find me there. You just search my website at uh, amrosario.com, and that's it. And thanks for being patient with just me today. And uh, we should be back in a couple of weeks with a new show. Hopefully, Ward will feel better by then. And uh, until then, well, have a great rest of February. So see you later. Bye.